Welcome to Humanity Shines with Shelly Nagel. This podcast features people from all walks of life, their ups and downs, and what inspires them. Today, we have Amber Patton joining us from Minneapolis, Minnesota. She's a multifaceted artist and Marine. Hi, Amber. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. It's been a while since I've seen you. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I think Uh the last time I saw you was on I'm Not a Serial Killer. I think so. Jeez. That's, what was that, 2015? I think it was earlier than that. I I think I did cast you on Wilson, that movie I was working on. Yes. But I don't think we actually, because I was working in the office the majority of the time, so I don't think I actually saw you in like face to face. I think my car was in Wilson more than I was. Oh, your car. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I wanted to start out. I'm curious about where you were born because I don't think I know that. And then just your life growing up as a kid. How was that for you? Here. Um, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Um, I was actually born in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. So, uh, but you will not hear me saying Werther Har uh, <laughs> because most of the time I grew up in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, all around. And okay. I would go back every summer and spend the entire summer there with my grandmother and my uncles mm-hmm. and aunts and just be free and outside and, and a little wild child. Um, and then basically I would come back to Minnesota to go to school only to just run back down there. So, <laughs> oh, so you love, you love that. Living. Yeah, it was just, it's, it's, um, I don't know, being obviously with my grandmother down there, my grandparents and just like, just being outside. I was very much the kind of kid that just wanted to be out doing stuff, riding my bike, mm-hmm. hanging out, you know, so I, I did a lot of that, uh, growing up, um, but like, I don't know my life. So <laughs> um, grew up with a single parent. Um, it was me and my mom until about the age of 11 okay. or 12. And then my stepdad came in the picture. And it was really funny because, again, I'm I'm going back and forth, right? And so mm-hmm. I that time I was gone for a year and a half. I did a little school down there. Mm-hmm. And I come back and this man is driving my mom's car. Oh, and I'm just like um who is this guy I don't understand <laughs> what what is this I don't I don't like it <laughs> like I knew she dated but it was never serious like I was never worried about some guy coming in you know it's yeah like, just us two I don't, yeah. we don't we don't love these hosts like we're just <laughs> <laughs> but I see this man driving her car and I'm like my mom doesn't let anybody drive her car who is this guy yeah and you know it turns out um, teen years later, you know, <laughs> best guy in the world. Um, Ooh. you know, I consider m- my dad, dad, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you know, he's never made me feel like a stepchild or anything. Like he's just <laughs> fantastic, but you know, it, it took me a minute to, to warm up to him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. <laughs> Was your dad in the picture growing up at all? <laughs> oh no. Um, no, my, my dad lives in St. Louis. Um, but I probably saw him 
the the first day of every summer that I went down there, mm-hmm. you know, it was like his like um it's his check-in, you know. Mm-hmm. He does a quick check-in and then he disappears back to whatever place he's off at. So, yeah. You know, I would uh I would classify him as non-existent. Okay. And not yeah. you're not too much in touch with him today. I mean, like so <laughs> therapy, right? Um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did a lot of that recently and I just I don't need him in my life because it right. doesn't there doesn't seem to be a lot of um energy the other way mm-hmm. one-sided yeah so mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like there's a lot of energy going into him wanting to be in my life and so it's like I'm not gonna force you that yeah it really is your choice you know um but I've also it's it's gotten to the point where I'm like I'm not I'm not worried about it anymore I'm not even gonna mm-hmm. try because right why like there are plenty of people who want to be in my life and they make the time and the space and the energy and and I'm not going to waste any more of that on you sir <laughs> love it i think there's a lot of conditioning within society to be like you have to have this parent in your life or this friend in your life and it's like they're not giving me anything back why do i have to keep giving but i do feel like there's this movement to be like okay set boundaries like if this person isn't reciprocating then move on. There's a lot of other people that will love you and give you your mm-hmm. time and energy. And it's like life, life is short to be wasting it trying to chase after anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I like to believe I was ahead of the curve on that one. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, cause like, you know, that, you know, that saying blood is thicker than water. And to me, it was like, well, if my family acts like this, like, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not worried about enemies outside of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I a long time ago, I adopted the idea that just because you're blood related to someone doesn't mean you have to bend over backwards for them or you have mm-hmm. to do things for them. Because if they won't do the same for you, blood or not, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not worth it to just be giving so much of yourself away to people who don't deserve it. Yeah. And, Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. So, and like, I think my dad was the last hurdle. My bio dad was kind of the last hurdle of that because Mm -hmm. it's, it's one thing when it's, you know, cousins or what have you, but when it's somebody that's supposed to be your parent, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you're as a kid, especially you're very self centered and that's not a bad thing, but it's Mm -hmm. like, everything that happens in your world you tend to internalize Mm -hmm. and you think it's your fault and you know and so when we didn't have this relationship it wasn't questioning like why isn't he here what you know what's his problem it was like well what did I do and what can I do to make myself more desirable as a kid for you know this Mm -hmm. parent to be in my life Mm -hmm. and so you know once once I learned that it was like Oh my gosh. Like I've been like trying to win the affections of a parent who clearly doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And like ugh, the amount of like bending over backwards I tried to do is for what, you know? Mhm. Mm-hmm. So But yeah, no more of that. No more of that. Heck yeah, girl. <laughs> so But yeah, it's good stuff. So what was elementary school like for you in Minneapolis? And junior high, high school, those years. Um, 
what was it like? I was a fantastic student. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. I I don't know. I was I was one of I liked school as a kid, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um I like the most things that I would get in trouble for normally is disturbing others from doing their work because like I would finish my work and then I want to talk to people. <laughs> so I was a little little chatterbox um as a kid. Um, but the way they got around that was they put me in the reading corner and they were like, when you're done with work, just go to the reading corner and you can read all the books you want. As long as you're quiet in the reading corner. (laughs) And it was like challenge accepted. I'm going to go do that. Yeah. Well, you like to read, don't you? I, as a, especially as a kid, I loved it. Like it Mm -hmm. was just, I mean, I could devour books and, um, My mom would be like, she would see me reading, starting a book, come back a few hours later. I'm like towards the end of the book. And she's like, have you moved at all? And I'm like, huh? Huh? No. What? I'm I'm reading. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, just I've always loved reading and, and because I'm a person that sees scenes and stuff in my brain. Yeah. As I'm reading. So it's like, for me, it's. It's the equivalent of watching a movie, but it's your own personal movie in your head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's pretty nice. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so in like, like high, school high school and junior high. high. Well, uh, not to be like, you know, Debbie Downer, but um, once I got to high, so my, you know, I told you I was going back and forth to Missouri every mm-hmm. summer um, until the beginning of high school because uh, three of my cousins were murdered um, at the last day of my eighth grade year. Oh, wow. And that just, for me, like, I didn't have close a close relationship with my siblings mm-hmm. uh, on my dad's side. Um, and I didn't have any siblings at the time on my mom's side. So for more, you know, for all intents and purposes, I was an only child. And those cousins were like the first siblings I had you know and so when that was taken for me that was just it just changed my entire world and I don't remember my freshman year of high school to be honest like Mm -hmm. it was just like I remember going to camp um a couple weeks afterwards because like I was already signed up to go and it was it's kind of like going through the motions you know I was like oh I've got this thing I have to go do so I like I went to camp and you know did all this stuff and I and I and I I think the only thing I remember was asking um the drama teacher if it was too late to audition for anything and he was like well it's too late for this play but you can work behind the scenes (laughs) and Yeah. yeah but like High school was a, a very weird time for me. I I still had great moments, of course. I like I got to play softball and I went into theater mm-hmm. and you know, I did make friends and and do those things, but it was such a, a, a oh, like it, it was almost living like two lives. Mm-hmm. Because you know, you don't want people to necessarily worry about you all the time yeah but inside you're just numb 
and you don't really know how to function as a person anymore because it's like this tragic thing has happened and you're like I don't know (laughs) your cousins that were murdered were they murdered all together then yeah it was Mm -hmm. like so it was um some people basically burned their house down with them in it and like they and they barred the doors so like they couldn't get out and like their mom survived physically I would say yeah um but you know I mean things like that just rock a family you don't Mm -hmm. really come back from traumatic moments like that unscathed you know yeah so um so sorry yeah oh thank you thank you again therapy because who Jesus say but um but yeah it was just it was um it was wild it was just like this last day of high school or uh, eighth grade and Mm -hmm. I'm doing track and field and I'm a very competitive individual and (laughs) so I'm like winning all the running trophies and like ribbons and and yeah. doing this and it's the best day and then we're gonna have our little eighth grade graduation that night and mm-hmm. we're supposed to do like a performance and all this stuff and like my my stepdad comes to pick me up and I already that's that's sign number one that something is wrong because yeah he never picked me up from school and so I'm just like mm, something is super duper off right now mm-hmm. I don't know what it is but it's freaking me out so I keep asking him, like, I'm thinking it's like my mom or something, like, what's wrong? What's going on? What's happening? Yeah. He's not talking to me. He's like, I'll just let your mom tell you. And I'm like, okay, warning sign number two. Cause like, it, it, well, it's not my mom, but something is very wrong. And I get to the house and she's been crying and she tells oh. me what happened. And it's just like, it's like a, it's like a bomb going off in your brain. It's like mm-hmm. a, you know, and, I had like the ringing in my ears and like after that all the sound just it was turned down and I remember this like being in this weird state of shock and then I um went into the bathroom and closed myself in there for hours yeah and just like cried on the bathroom floor because I was like I I oh yeah you- it's so <laughs> you know? tragic I'm crying just <laughs> crying <laughs> oh, sorry I, no I no I mean just you know, Im- imagining what they went through and just yeah. how scary that would be when you're just, you can't get out and yeah. someone d- did that, did that to you. So I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be interesting. Cause like not a lot of people know that. Um, and because I don't really give off the energy as I don't think I give off the energy of, uh, a traumatized, you know, kid mm-hmm. for the most part like yeah. usually when people outside know me they're like oh no you're fun and you do this and you're that mm-hmm. and blah, blah blah and again it's just living living two lives like you you kind of split mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. at that point you know so it's like yeah so that <laughs> affected you a lot your oh, high God, school yes. years yeah because these like, were like your siblings to you th- yeah. that you would visit and, every summer you know I went with. through survivor's guilt and like mm-hmm. because I was supposed to be there oh you um, were during that yeah. time yeah I was supposed to be down there because I was going to <laughs> uh finish middle school down there but I didn't and um then it was like okay well I'm going right back as soon as um as soon as school is done I'm going back then and I was like, nope, no, you're not. Cause yeah. 
and um yeah I didn't go back again until my junior year when my grandpa died yeah and you know he died of old age he was he was tired he just kind of he had gotten the flu and um he had already like suffered two strokes like years and years and years ago and Mm -hmm. so when they told him that like they would have to take his legs he said yeah I ain't taking shit I'm tired (laughs) just let me go (laughs) I was like I get that totally you know so we went down there for that funeral and it was it was very surreal going back because I'm like, you know, I didn't I didn't go to their funeral because I I would not have been able to mm-hmm. deal with seeing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and so I go back and <laughs> I go I'm walking up towards the casket for the viewing. And it was really weird. It was like, it just seemed like there was a light over his casket Mm -hmm. and everything else was kind of in this weird shade of gray. And, and everybody's like sad and, you know, everything's going on around and I'm walking up slowly to the casket to go see him. And I'm, you know, kind of like tense about it. And so like, oh gosh, okay, going to go see. And I look in there and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? It doesn't look like my grandfather. My my grandpa was a white t-shirt wearing, uh, blue jeans, you know, yeah. kind of guy. And, you know, like he had the high top, like curly, you know, little hair or whatever. And I'm looking on this casket and I'm like, this man's got the, his hair is slicked back. He's got all this, I mean, really nice purple suit, but. <laughs> I mean, dressed to the nines. And I'm like, this is, I don't know who this is. This is not my grandfather. I'm not, I don't appreciate it. And then I just kind of felt this warmth. I don't know how else to describe it. Mm-hmm. Kind of surround me. And I just felt like everything was going to be okay after that. Like, like my cousins had somebody to look out for them now and, yeah. and they were going to be taken care of. So like, I don't know, like I went to that funeral and then like this, this weight peace. was just kind of lifted off of me and I felt some semblance of peace mm-hmm. afterwards. And it was, it was nice. It was kind of a, a completion of something that I didn't, I didn't have words for. I didn't have the vocabulary to talk about what I was going through yeah. at that time. And so yeah, so I started going back down there, but like, yeah, their their mom never recovered. Um, she ended up self medicating, and she stopped doing her therapy, so she was um, in a wheelchair, and she died in two thousand and I want to say eighteen okay. or something like that. Yeah, and that was really hard because it was hard to see her and not feel you know guilty or sad or you know and Mm -hmm. it was like my therapist was like you know you were 12 you were you know you were a kid yeah like you didn't have the emotional capacity to be there for adults who were grieving Mm -hmm. and it you know it should have been the other way around Mm-hmm. And so you should never feel bad about the fact that you didn't know how to handle that situation, mm-hmm. you know? So like, 
Oh, that makes sense. Can I get your therapist's <laughs> number, by the way? Your therapist <laughs> sounds like really good. Yeah, he's a smart dude. Like I'm, yeah, you know, yeah. he was, he was very helpful and instrumental in like allowing me to like let go of a lot of those heavy mm-hmm. feelings and, and, um, but yeah, it's like, you, you don't put that into that kind of perspective because you're an adult thinking about a lot of these things mm-hmm. and rehashing them out. And it was, he was like, perspective, <laughs> you were a child. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there, whatever. <laughs> so when you, after high school, I know mm-hmm. that you, or from my understanding, you went to the Marie- Marines, is that correct? Yeah, you know, there- I needed a break from life, apparently, and like all happy things. And I went, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, it was kind of one of those things that like, I needed something vastly different. Mm-hmm. And I needed something that would, would, um, I didn't have to think about. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds terrible, but it's like, I, it, because, you know, you go in and, and they do, they they tell you what to do and they tell you how to do it. And, you know, mm-hmm. and as long as you're doing it correctly, nobody's really going to mess with you, you know? Yeah. So I, without telling my mother, I went into the the oh. armed forces office uh-huh. and they have it where it's like stacked the offices and it's the Army, Air Force, Navy and Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And I walked in and I look into the army office and everybody immediately stands up and they're looking at the door and they're like, can we help you? And I'm like, "Uh, (laughs) no, I'm good. (laughs) Thanks. So the air force office is closed. And mind you, what I, once I realized I was going to the Marine Corps and everything, their office is always closed. I'm like, y'all are bogus for that. So go to the next one and there's the Navy guys and they're like sitting there, the uniforms look like crap and they're playing video games. And I'm like, mm, that don't look like me either. And I go into the Marine Corps office. It's nice and bright in there. And mm-hmm. one sergeant comes up to me and he's like, hi, how can I help you? And I'm like, I think I'm supposed to be here. And that is how I picked the Marine Corps. <laughs> okay. Okay. And this was your idea. Yeah, I, um, I had never told anybody that I was even thinking about going in the military. And truth be told, I wasn't until I did. And then I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's what I was. was that experience like? Oh, Jesus. Um, What was it like? I don't it. It feels like an entire other life. It. I did things that I never thought I would be capable of doing and without even thinking about them really mm-hmm. like you know I mean boot camp when they say they push you and they like break you down to build you up it's it's not just a saying like you you come out a different person and just like I mean <laughs> like I I forgot how to like laugh and cry and do you know regular human things and like it I, <laughs> it it sounds weird but it just you just I don't know you're you're very much changed coming out of there and mm-hmm. I mean you sit up straighter you you do things in such a interesting you know especially coming out of boot camp like once you go into the fleet 
it's a little different. You calm mm-hmm. down. Um, you remember that you're a person again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but boot camp is like it's another world. It's like you you you're getting yelled at and fussed at, and you're repeating things over and over again. And you're and I mean, it's like it's like a little cult. Yeah, not even gonna lie. Like I can see that. Yeah, it's like because you just I mean you're doing these things over and over and over again. It's ritualistic almost. I mean, it is. It really is. Like, I mean, just things like putting my hands in my pockets Mm -hmm. was weird. For I just got comfortable doing that again. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like, and I, but I also notice when I do it too. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. a very intentional action now. Like, most people don't think about it, and I, like, I, I'm like, yep, my hands are in my pockets. Um, the way that I eat, I had to slow down eating because you eat very quickly when you're in boot camp or even in the Marine Corps, you just, you scarf your food down, you get on with your day. Yeah. So, like just, there are certain sounds or smells or moves that are just like, just ingrained in you forever, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, but it, I guess it worked for me because, again, that competitive streak was was good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't have to be the best, but I wasn't going to definitely be the worst. <laughs> You're not going to get me, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, I just I just pushed through and kept going. And I think in the fleet, it was one of those things like I hadn't really processed a lot of the anger and rage. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that might <laughs> not exactly the best, but it was a place where I could kind channel of, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they say that, you know, for women Marines, they call them all sorts of names, you know, walking mattresses. They call them, um, you know, just all kinds of sluts and and easy and blah 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 the guys that you're in the marine with or you mean the media okay the guys that you're actually oh yeah because like when I got to my first duty station there were six females in a group of 120 okay so like you are highly outnumbered Mm -hmm. you know um um but if you if you're not easy than you're a bitch or Mm -hmm. you know or those things and I mean I didn't personally have too many issues with male marines Mm -hmm. but possibly because I was a bitch but I was funny Mm -hmm. I was (laughs) yeah you joke around and kind of yeah like I I make jokes and like I laugh a lot and like and that's not to um undermine the experiences that a lot of women go through in the armed forces because Mm -hmm. the amount of sexual assault and Mm -hmm. and violence and 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 discrimination that women face in the military is is not a joke you know Mm-hmm. it's just that my experience I I guess in a lot of ways I got lucky mm-hmm. to be in the units that I was in and to have um to have you know leadership that you know for me was incredibly attentive and they, mm-hmm. they nurtured me instead of tore me down or mm-hmm. made me feel less than you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. 
um, when I speak of that stuff, I definitely speak from my own personal experience because I'm aware even in my own unit that there were women who went through a very different experience than I did. Right. Yeah. And yeah, so I never want to want anybody to, to hear that and and think that I'm taking Mm -hmm. that lightly because it's not. Mm-hmm. You're speaking from your personal experience. Yeah. But you're aware of how other oh, people absolutely. have experienced it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I got, I got tested for sure. But again, being that I was just a little angry thing. <laughs> right. It almost propelled people. You feel like that? Um, I mean, let's just say if somebody tried me, they didn't try me two times. Got it. Right, (laughs) (laughs) and it's like you know again it's one of those things and and it's so weird thinking about it now like you know my marine corps life or marine corps amber is nothing like i am now Mm -hmm. i'm more like let's just talk this through or you know there's no reason to fight there's no reason to raise our voices like let's try to figure this out Mm -hmm. whereas marine corps amber was like i will fuck you up you better you better get out of my face you better get out of my face yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I, I mean and I and I was never a person to hit you first but you touch me and it's done yeah and we're going there and there's there you better you I, you hope somebody pulls me off of you yeah because I'm not stopping until you stop yeah 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 so it's very aggressive little little thing but you've changed and yeah definitely not once I got on the Marine Corps it was like I'm tired you know Mm -hmm. like okay I'm done being like aggressive Mm -hmm. but you know who am I now kind of Uh, yeah well I would love to hear because you are an artist and you're an actor you write you create you're a podcaster I want to hear about all your creative endeavor endeavors. Oh geez. Well, it's funny. Like I've acted, I've been into acting since I was about five mm-hmm. and I saw, um, I saw tombstone on TV. Um, and like a, the, the trailer for it mm-hmm. and, and tombstone is, is like, is the Western about Wyatt Earp and the okay corral and mm-hmm. whatnot. And, I don't know why, because I don't even like Westerns like that. But that movie just spoke to me. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, how do I get to do that? And suddenly it was like, I love acting and I want to do acting and I want to be able to, you know. Um, and like I said, I, I did that all through high school. And then <laughs> and then I took a break and I went to the Marine Corps for a little bit. But uh-huh you know, it was, it stayed in my blood and and mm-hmm. I had this, this gunnery sergeant while I was in gunnery sergeant Miller, may he rest a fantastic man. Um, who he brought me in for a, a review and he's like, what do you, what do you want to do? Are you a lifer or like you got plans after the Marine Corps? What, what, what are you doing? And I told him, I was like, well, honestly, I, I really, I'm really into acting and you know, blah, blah. And he's like, great, great don't ever give that up. You're going to get out of here. You're going to go do that. And I was like, Whoa. Oh, heck yeah. Support. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm good. Yeah. You're right. I'm going to do that. So Mm -hmm. I get out and I ended up finding, um, an acting coach, um, Richard 
God bless you, Richard. Um, <laughs> and I started going to his acting class like the last year I was in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, it was. Where the- were you stationed in the Marine Corps? So, at that point, I was in Japan for the first half of the five years that I was in. And then I was in California for this. California. Time. And that's where you yeah. found the acting coach? Yes. Okay. And I actually found him through um, <laughs> that like pay for play John Robert Powers. Mm, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, And he was one of the acting teachers there. And um, like, technically, you're not supposed to tell people that you're an acting teacher outside of that. Uh But um, we got the talking and he was. And so I was like, I want some more personal training. I want Mm -hmm. some more one on one training. Mm -hmm. And so my first time, (laughs) he gives me this monologue to go read up in front of everybody. And I literally took that paper and I'm just like, I once did da 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 and I read it and then I, I look at him and he's like, okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, you know, I was in the Marine Corps and all that stuff just kind of was gone. There's just this layer there. Yeah. Like, you're, yeah. you restricted your energy and just. Yeah. Went. So it was just like, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. What now? But he he genuinely helped me get back out, break out of that shell and and get back in touch with my emotional self and, Mm -hmm. and, and do that work that then allowed me to go to college. And I went to, I went to Academy of Art in San Francisco. Um, I didn't know you lived there. I used to live in San Francisco too, back in the day. Uh, I lived in San Francisco. I lived in Walnut Creek. I lived in Oakland. Okay. Uh, Mountain View, like I, uh, Sacramento, like I, all over the place. Okay. All over the Bay. Yeah, all over. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I know that area very well. Um, but yeah, I went there for acting and, you know, it was an, an interesting experience is what I'll call it. But mm-hmm. I did get, you know, teachers who were just very in tune and, you know, mm-hmm. They constantly told me not to to stop or give up because I was very unsure of myself at that point. I mm. I knew I loved acting, but I didn't know if I was good enough. And mm-hmm. at the time I went to school, I was like 23, 24. Mm-hmm. And all these 18, 17, 18, 19 year olds are coming in. And I'm just like, have I missed the boat, you know, on this? Not realizing, you know, obviously not. Um, and so, yeah, but I, you know, I had these great teachers and I had, um, a teacher there, Diane Baker, mm-hmm. who told me if I was ever in New York to go to Stella Adler. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> when I, um, I left, uh, California, came to Minnesota and I was trying to do acting here, but if you start doing things behind the scenes, people mm-hmm. don't see you as an actor. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many times I said it, I was like, I'm an actor. I'm an actor. I knew you were though. I tried to. Yes. You, know, I- <laughs> you did. You did. Like there were a few people like, oh yeah. Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Do you want to like do background for this? Or do you want to be in that? I was like, yes, <laughs> like, please. <laughs> but like, yeah. So enough people here were telling, were just hiring me for production mm-hmm. that I was like, I'm, I don't want to do production anymore. I want to be mm-hmm. back in front of the camera. It's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was going to move back to California and a friend was like, no, you should come to New York. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
New York. I don't know about that. I don't know. <laughs> but I did. I, I went out there with like 12% of a plan. And I just knew I was just going to go to Stella Adler. That's all I knew. Okay. <laughs> and I I looked, Googled it and got the information and they took the GI Bill. And I was like, I'm going to Stella Adler. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and I went there and I really, I feel like with the teachers that I had there, I leveled up. And mm-hmm. I also didn't allow myself to just stop at acting because... I've also been an avid writer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, screenwriting, um, currently working on another draft of a novel right now. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, I also discovered voice acting. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, can I take this voice acting class? Blah, blah, blah. And they were like, yeah. So I went and I just fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. And I was just, you know, I they do it through Abacus Entertainment out there. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was like a mind blowing experience, like this other level of something just opening up inside. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I love this too. Um, and you know, they, they cut my first, uh, commercial reel, um, mm-hmm. which I still love to this day. Um, and yeah, so I just, I was like, I got this now I'm going to do this. Yeah. And you know, I was in New York and I'm like hitting the pavement up doing the grind of doing mm-hmm. the acting class, doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. I had an audition for the public theater to do background for Shakespeare in the park. And I think, Oh, was- I, I saw that when I was in New York. Oh yeah. It was the King. It was, a, was it Richard the second, I think. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Um, the next day, New York shut down because of COVID. <laughs> Oh, so you booked that and then COVID I don't know hit. if I booked it or not, but the audition happened. And like, even okay. in the audition, like after I auditioned, you know, we're talking and it's like, can you believe like, this is wild, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. it feels very weird. And like, mm-hmm. and then the next day, everything <sighs> comes to a standstill. And I'm just like, what? And I'd gotten my first like, uh, writing gig too, like doing this writing for Refinery29. Oh, congrats. You know, I was hoping that would turn into something, but because everything stopped Mm -hmm. and stalled, it was like, well, we need to like reserve funds and figure out what we're going to do. So all of that stuff went away and I was just like kind of stuck and not really sure what to do. And I think for a lot of people, that was kind of the, you know, the great pause where people Mm -hmm. stopped and were like, well, what is it that I've always wanted to be doing? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I had that that same thought and that's when I started catching up with you which is my podcast yes 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 (laughs) and it's just like catching up with creatives and I wanted Mm -hmm. it to be a positive podcast because you know I uh I think around that time when I really got it off the ground was right after George Floyd's murder and Mm -hmm. I was just exhausted you know as a black woman Mm -hmm. you know as a black person yeah just you know I was I was I was beyond exhausted seeing black bodies you know totally cannon fodder for these police and like all these Mm -hmm. things and I just I was like I need I need some kind of joy in my life yeah and so I started that podcast and it was it's been it was it was stressful Mm -hmm. but there was something that I loved about it enough to like come back two years later and and revamp it and start it again and 
So you shot a couple episodes during the pandemic. Yes. I know it's out now, FYI, everyone. And on then you, right now. <laughs> what's that? It's Say on it. YouTube right now. Oh yeah, it's on YouTube, guys. So <laughs> and and now you're you've shot a few more and you're just continuing on with it, right? Yeah. So when I first started, you know, I was like, yeah, we're gonna do this. Like I was in like a tiny little room and like had no idea how to edit or anything, and that was just like so overwhelming. And then I course- know. Oh my god! Yeah, it's like <laughs> you understand. I was, I literally was pulling my like about to pull my hair out. I'm like, this is so hard to navigate on your own. Like yes. the editing and the sites and oh my microphone god. checks and just yeah, it's 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 wild. It's a lot, and you know, I I do have um two friends helping me, mm-hmm. but it's still like you know, it's your baby. So you have to like figure mm-hmm. out the guests and get all the emails out and do this and that. And it's just like, Oh my gosh. But this second, the second time around was different. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it, it, it still felt right. It was still in my, in my spirit to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've been having a blast. So, uh, yeah. can't complain, you know, you're also starring in a play right now. Is that right? It just finished on the 16th of April. Um, okay. I was I was actually doing the understudy and it was a play called Five by Jacoby Johnson. Okay. And it's basically the apocalypse through gentrification. <laughs> it's how wow. it, uh, I described it. And, you know, it, it, it centers around this um, corner store in this neighborhood in Georgia. And um, this company comes in buys up all the property you know they're kicking out you know brown and and black people Mm -hmm. and people of color and you know they're bringing in all the white people with money and you know making it nice and and flashy and bringing in a whole foods um (laughs) yeah so it's it's it but it's really good you know and it's these two friends who've been together their whole lives and one of them signs a deal with the devil and hijinks mm. ensues. <laughs> wow. It was exciting to watch, though. I mean, those actors were, it was nice to be here in a capacity where, like, we did get to go on stage and do an understudy rehearsal. And that's really and cool. Be up there. So, first of all, that was great. But yes. also watching them, you know, different weeks and, and seeing how they do subtle changes, it was just nice to be back into that, mm-hmm. um, that group. Right now, actually, I am in an improv show at Huge um, Bad Poet Society, which will be uh, every Friday starting in May. Okay. Go get your tickets. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Your tickets. Um, Yeah. So it's going to go through May and June. And it's uh, improv at its finest. So. That's awesome. Well, Amber, it has been such a joy to have you here with us today and sharing and being vulnerable. And I'm so excited for all your creative pursuits. And you're moving out to LA soon, right? To pursue acting? Yes, I am. October is the month. Woohoo! And you're going to book those TV and movie roles. And we're rooting for you, girl. So, (laughs) yeah, thank you. Thank you. you.